Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid, so scared to do what I wanted. In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made, and I wish that I could talk to me and tell me I can change. Don't be afraid. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson, and I am your host. Today is May 2nd, 2017. Another day, another year, another month. Boy, it's just been flying by. I don't know about you, but I guess as we go get older, time just seems to fly. Um, I got in here a little late. I was running around, um, exercising, and getting ready for a little outpatient surgery that I'm going to be doing. Um, But I wanted to talk about some of the lies and some of the truths that are finally getting out there about AA. So on the positive side, we can talk about uh, journalist and author, Gabrielle Glaser. And you can go to her website, and Gabrielle wrote a pretty hard-hitting book called um, Her Best Kept Secret, why women drink and how they can regain control. And her first big piece was uh, really about, uh, I'm just looking for a link right here. Um, Her first piece was huge, was in ProPublica. And that piece really covered uh, Gabrielle Glaser, spelled G-L-A-S-E-R, I'm not going to have her or Lance Doty's on today. I'm just doing some, you know, talking about a couple of people, and I would say the two of them are pretty big. Uh, I mean, along with Stanton Peel, but he's been around for a long time, kind of beating the horse. And so we had some new people, she being one of them, who knew very little about AA when she started writing the book and when she wrote her proposal. Um, it was uh, released on, published on Simon & Schuster, so it's huge publishing firm out of New York. And so Herbis Kip's Secret is uh, it's in paperback, and uh, it's a very funny book. Um, it's a lot of history about America and drinking and how we became binge drinkers. She did a lot of research. And um, as a result, she I met her. And I have a chapter in her book. Well, I have a chapter, but she tells my story in one of her chapters. I think it's chapter six. So um, she was on Radiolab. Um, NPR is All Things Considered with Audie Cornish um, about the Atlantic piece. So the Atlantic piece was huge, The Irrationality of Alcoholics Anonymous. This is a real magazine, not just an online um, magazine. Um, in the um, 
the New York Times, the Daily Beast. Um, let's see. Uh, so 48 Hours came about because of her. And um, so we'll jump off from that. So if you want to you know, read her pieces and share them, I think it's a really good thing because uh, she's a journalist and had to vet a lot of stuff. Gabrielle, spelled G-A-B-R-I-E-L-L-E, and Glaser, G-L-A-S-E-R. So you can buy her book on Amazon, um, go to her website, and then you can share it in, on, tweet, you know, on Twitter, and uh, you can see all her pieces, so all the recent writings, like I said, The Atlantic, New York Times, and you could see uh, where she appeared in CBS 48 Hours. She also did some other talks uh, with the Daily Beast. I think it was the head of it was the Atlantic, but... Anyway, a lot going on there. And, uh, okay, and the other person is Lance Dodies. Oh, my God, I love him, too. Uh, both of these people um, love, 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 and didn't know him. I forget how, who introduced me to him. And then once I read his book, I knew I had to interview him. And you can find him on the web, Lance Dodies, D-O-D-E-S. He's an MD. I worked at Harvard in addiction for, I think, like 35 years. His books are The Heart of Addiction, Breaking Addiction, but The Sober Truth is one that really, really, well, it says debunking the bad science behind 12-step programs and the rehab industry. So he wrote it with his son, Zachary Dotis, who lives out in California, here where I am. And he got a lot of press. He did a lot of tours. He did a lot of talking on, uh, let's see where he wound up talking, media. Excuse me a second. Let me just see. Mm, I guess it's not really a lot here. but um, So I want to kind of go to the history. And I do think that, uh, I'm almost sure Gabrielle did this uh, in her book, but because of, um, when I started making the movie, somebody anonymously mailed me the biography of Marty Mann. On the cover it says, The First Lady of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's by Sally Brown and David Brown. I think they're husband and wife. Uh, you know, it's pretty interesting in that there were things that I never, like, really knew. So they like to pretend, hold on there, I just dropped my phone, um, that AA didn't receive any money, um, but Rockefeller did give them money. And five grand, back in 35, I don't know what it would be worth today, but, you know, five grand... You know, if we say, um, what is $5,000 worth in, uh, in 30, 1935 worth in today's money? Well, even back then it was a lot. It's a lot of money right now. If somebody handed you, if you needed to self-publish, you could easily do it, right? But the thing that Marty Mann gave to Bill Wilson that he did not have, and this is where, like, the fallacy about AA and the lies that it was this grassroots movement, it absolutely was not. It is a very strange, uh, maybe there are other organizations that spread out like this, you know, like the KKK or something. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but an example is that she was came from high society. She came from money. And on top of the fact that she came from money, her girlfriend, because she was gay, okay, so back then, you know, it was kind of like illegal to be gay. Like they put you in paddy wagons and like took you to jail if you went to gay bars, and it was a lot of shame. It was, like, really, really hidden. So that community was even tighter and more like it was a secret society, I'm sure, a secret, you know, world that people lived in and, you know, lived. Anyway, so here's the thing about her girlfriend. 
um, Priscilla, which was her girlfriend or her partner, worked at Vogue. All right, she worked at Vogue magazine, and she had access. She was not just anybody. I believe that she was like an editor in chief or somebody big high up there, and you know they. She could get, you know, the introduction for Bill Wilson to do the famous Saturday Evening Post, which, by the way, they said, we won't do it unless you show your faces. So everybody else was told they had to be anonymous. But for them to promote themselves, and at the time, the Saturday Evening Post would be like, you know, being on 2020 or 60 Minutes of Today, a bit much bigger than even even the Huffington Post. Like, it really, I would say that it would be on major network media would be comparison to be on the front page of the Saturday Evening Post in the early 1940s. And so things grew. But here's another thing about her. So, um, you know, uh, let's see. Roosevelt's initial gift of, oh, my God. Okay. So the institution, this is like a whole chapter here, but um, I was like really, really shocked and uh highlighted it here. Brink felt justified in creating a pilot alcoholism treatment program at Roosevelt with an initial gift of a quarter of a million dollars spread over three years. 1.125 million in the year 2000 money. Leclerc was appointed the first director of the new unit. The grant allowed her to to get started with a couple of counselors, a part-time social worker, and a secretary. The Smithers Center developed into a 44-bed rehabilitation unit with a comprehensive 28-day recovery program tied to the AA philosophy. It was the only such facility in New York City, and under Dr. Bissell, the Smithers Center became an important model for treatment research and professional training. So, you know, this is where it began. And uh, let's see, in 1971, three years after the Smithers Center was founded, Brink invited Leclerc to lunch one day and to her astonishment told her that he was endowing the center with a block of IBM stock worth $10 million, $50 million in year 2000. It was the largest single grant ever made in the alcoholism field, public or private, up to that time. Brink immediately released $5 million of the grant with a promise of the remaining half to follow later. So this is where you see the money. Big money, and, the, and that's where, and in Gabrielle's book, Gabrielle Glacier's book talks about that AA grew the most when, like, say, I joined. When I, you know, when I would say I joined, it's always like, I joined what? Like, did I sign and say, oh, I'm going to join? And I didn't. It's a very, like, hook you in, say you're not joining anything, there is no membership, there is no club membership, but then why do you feel like you're, oh, I'm in AA, I'm, I've joined this program. What program? Those fucking 12 stupid steps? Like, that's a program, it's not a program. And even with, you know, uh, i got to tell you, therapy really helped me years later, but those stupid 12 steps didn't. And I don't do, some, I heard somebody, this one woman in my old meeting used to say, you know, all these steps were inspired by God. No, they weren't. They were, like, created by Frank Buckman in the Oxford groups previous to Bill Wilson, and he went and made it 12, 12 of them, you know, 12 steps instead of the six. Because, actually, the first six in the Oxford groups, you had to be pure, you know, there was like this purity, so you had to deal with uh, your sexuality, and um, I'm sure Billy Wilson did not want to do that. Now, um, so I'm going to go, I'm going to kind of be all over the place with what I'm talking about, and because I think that there could be another show. I'm going to try to have people on soon. I've been busy. 
Anyway, been really busy with life. And uh, the film, by the way, it's on Amazon. If you have, if you don't know, the Thirteen Step is available on Amazon for free. If it's, uh, if you have Prime, it streams there. That's a 52-minute version. And um, you know, we deal a little bit with Marty Mann, but not really enough. I mean, I could do a whole 10-minute little piece on her. And then it's uh, the other, the director's cut is available on Vimeo. And it's a little bit more money. There you have to pay for it. Uh, you can rent it there for three ninety nine. And that's the my story is kept in there. I took it out because I needed to cut it. But anyway, that's where that is. So what really, I mean, when I just read to you, I forgot that. I forgot that. So in the 70s, they started this. This is when, I guess, rehab, like, really went crazy. But even to give her that much money... Oh my God! A quarter of a million dollars, but he no 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 with ten million dollars at that time, ten million dollars in 1971. It would be fifty million in in the 2000. I guess it would be worth a lot more now in 2017. And um, almost from the opening of the Smithers Center, however, there was friction between the donor and the doctors. Brink disagreed with the staff about who should be admitted. They advocated an open admission policy with the center serving people from all walks of life. Brink, on the other hand, preferred patients from his own social and economic level, namely the rich and well-to-do. In addition, Brink insisted that detailed project plans and staff appointments must have his approval and interference in management that both Roosevelt Hospital and Dr. Bissell regarded as objectionable. Eight years later, the other half of Smithers' original $10 million grant had yet to be awarded. Although the above conflicts with Frank had been largely resolved, continuing pressures contributed to LeClaire's decision to leave the Smithers Center in 1979 and become the founding director of a new for-profit alcoholism treatment facility, Edge Hill Newport in Newport, Rhode Island. Dr. Bissell subsequently said, however, there is no question in my mind that Brink has been the single most generous philanthropist that ever existed in the field of alcoholism. Um, there's a lot of money being made in rehab, and if somebody were to do a study, I mean, I felt this long before I left, but when I found out how much rehab was costing, that this is what has driven one of the things, a big thing that has driven our health insurance up was when they began to pay this, and what they were paying for was AA 12-step facilitation with two hatters there. So there was a lot of recidivism. You began to have drug courts in 89 uh, in Florida, and it began in 90 in California. And, you know, uh, anyway, it's not, not a pretty picture. So I want to talk about the truths, the truths that AA was not a grassroots movement, that when Bill Wilson met Marty Mann, and then she, you know, her Priscilla worked at Vogue, and that she knew people like the Rockefellers and Henry Ford, that any, and I think that he was also, I know Rose, uh, uh, Rockefeller was a teetotaler, his father was a teetotaler, thought alcohol was evil, he thought Hollywood and movies were evil, and that church and your family uh, was the only good thing around, and um this very much fit in the what he saw about AA, you know, that you should be always giving it back and you didn't matter and the group is more important than you, you know, your church and your uh, community is more important than you. There's a lot of that going around 
in Alcoholics Anonymous, and that's what you know Rockefeller was about. I mean, not that he was just about that, but he did not drink, and neither did his father. Both, he was from Ohio, interestingly enough, so they had the connection with Dr. Bob being from Ohio, uh, and they just met everybody. You know, by the 1970s, the FAA was infested, and they created the first birds of a feather group. Uh, I think the doctors were um, the uh, the uh, associated, what was it called, ASAM, the American Society of Addicted Medicine. It's like, what? Like, it's not even science. It's filled with steppers. And, um, in fact, I know that the, the pilot one, birds of a feather, no, the um, HIMSS program with the pilots is because I called them and spoke to them, spoke to the vice president of HIMSS and you know, he's a stepper and very brainwashed, you know, pilot. It's kind of scary to think you have pilots who believe in powerlessness um, flying our planes. I know for a fact that United, all of them, they're all into it. So, um, let's see. Uh, go back to, uh, let me go back to where I was on my site and then talk about the episode. What's it about? All right. Um, so the other thing that was actually pretty fascinating, was how far back, um, let me see, uh, how far back that AA got involved in Hollywood, right? So I think um, uh, she got involved in the making of The Lost Weekend with consulting on the scripts, and she coached the actors involved, that's pretty interesting. Um, she let's see. Um, she had an early career in public relations with Macy's, and then the American Society of Composers, Authors, and Publishers, which means that she, oh my God, she was a PR person for the early stages of the music business. Can you fucking believe this shit? I mean, oh my God. While other AAs wished for the organization to remain small and true to its anonymous, anonymous nature, Marty became obsessed with getting society to recognize alcohol abuse and advocate for better treatment of sufferers. Well, I, I, I'm all for that, but I'm not for sitting in church basements talking about the book from the 30s, right? Um, mm, the book claims that Marty was focused on the scientific nature of alcohol abuse and that she found the terms alcoholic and alcoholism were coined by a Swedish physician, Magnus Huss, in 1848, thus confirming to her that she was suffering from a legitimate medical condition, um, so she shouldn't be stigmatized. But, you know, the funny thing about that, you know, the clip that I think everybody used, um, I used it in my film, where it said, you know... Um, Alcoholism is a disease, you know, it's a, and people should be treated, you know, and going to hospitals and not jails and that whole bit that she does. But the interesting thing is that if when, once you're, you know, you're looking at this like propaganda piece that was made back then, um, it says based on science, and it's like, what? Like AA is not based on science, and she created the National Council on Alcoholism and Drug Dependence, which is now the National Council, the National Council, <coughs> excuse me. The National Council on Alcoholism Education was it was called first, and then it was called the National Council on Alcoholism, and now it's the NAD, 
NDDD or something, National Association of Drug Dependence. I forget the name of it. I can't stand it all. It's just such. And what you do is you have AA members, long-time AA members, and they jump between these organizations. They get on the board, and you know, on and on and on this stuff goes. And it's pretty. Um, God, I used to it used to get me so mad, but you know, I think that it's like somebody told me. I mean, obviously, I think that a lawsuit, you know, needs to happen really badly. Uh, and um, but that I was talking with the guy who successfully sued um, a life insurance company who screwed he and his brother out of a lot of money and screwed a lot of people who died out of a lot of money. But that it was the it's media, which is why Lisa Bloom, you know, God bless her, um, and her mother Gloria Allred, uh, the mother Gloria, who's taken on the Bill Cosby lawsuit and then Lisa Bloom for the Bill O'Reilly one and I think that that's why I think that it's really now is the time that if you have been sexually harassed and you have been raped male or female as far as I mean I know it's really bad 13 stepping that those stories um, really would be really great to contact Lisa Bloom she's in Los Angeles Um, you can find her the same way I found her you can find her on the internet and Twitter but I think the best thing is to call the office and tell her the story. And I think it's really a better thing, um, if it did happen to you, to write it down. At the end of the day, you will have to write it down for the lawyers anyway um, and just get that big yellow pad out and write down the story of what happened and then rewrite it, rewrite it until it's nice and clean and um, really tells the story straight up. So um, back to um, the lies. Let's talk about some of the lies. So uh, she got involved. This is Mary Pickford. I think it was Mary Pickford. So she, um, let me see here, Mary Pickford, oh yeah, and uh, Pollock, she also, Jason, named Jackson Pollock, um, he also uh, suffered with alcohol abuse. Um, He was sent to Ruth Fox, Dr. Ruth Fox, who loved um, AA. He was prescribed antabuse, but that made patients really sensitive to alcohol. And um, and they ordered him to AA. He did not comply with either order, and died in a car crash. So there's another person that um, AA killed in their inadvertent way. Um, let's see. Marty Mann had a long-time life partner, Priscilla Peck, and um, her family and supposedly her history with alcohol. Um, and let's see. Um, Priscilla and her sister Liz were both lesbians and both struggled with alcohol abuse. Although Priscilla became deeply involved with AA and Marty, as the organization grew, Liz became a notorious 13-stepper, preying on vulnerable young lesbians new to sobriety. The book also describes how inappropriate crushes and relationships were typical of straight men and women in early recovery. So it talks about that in um, Chapter 15. Um, I'm trying to find uh, the part where they talk about. I just want to get to this. These are the notes that we had from the movie, and it was. I was really shocked that uh, she had. Um, sorry, sorry, sorry. That she had gotten out here so early. So that was with. Uh, um, I'm sorry, the lady that. Um, Looking, looking, looking. Well, anyway, I can't find it right now. I'm gonna. I'll finally get to it. That so the days of wine and roses 
is another movie that was really huge, and that was the 1960s. And uh, then you had, like, uh, it was in the 70s. Oh, my God, the one it was, uh, my name is Sarah T. I'm a teenage alcoholic. And, I, I mean, I was like, I couldn't believe the level of horseshit that is in that film. So, first of all, they show, like, these were, like, preteens, so the 13-year-olds were in meetings, and there is no no reading of the literature, which is read at every meeting. Everybody knows the three things that get read. So Hollywood began to perpetuate a lie about what AA is, only show this that it was like a lovely little support group, which we know it could be in a, in a certain town, in a certain place. Yeah, it certainly could be, but that it isn't that. On the whole, it is not that. And uh, let me just go back to here. Um, at the same time, you had um, it was a press conference held with Dick Van Dyke, and we had uh, it was a couple of uh, senators, and I think it was Howard Hughes. Was it Howard Hughes? I don't know Howard Hughes Act. I think I'm not as <laughs> on my history get caught up on more of my history with this, but it was a really big time for it. And then you had a couple of people that were in the daytime soaps, which were really big. So they were the serials that people watched every day, Monday through Friday at noon, or As the World Turns. And uh, those shows had, in fact, one that um, I watched had a main character become a drunk, and, of course, she goes to AA, right? Um, Let's see. Uh, The other thing is that we then went to another so at that time it wasn't it still was not cool to be in AA to be I was a young person it was not cool to be in AA to be sober to not drink um I lived in New Orleans in the late 70s and it was a big party town and people just thought I was like a religious weirdo I never I was very very low key I didn't use the lingo but I think the next stage of lies that came um were that uh we're in like movies like um is it sober you know with Michael Keaton and that was a really big one where it was just fl- flagrant promotion of rehab what it was um uh, the we, we the uh, insurance companies were forced to pay for 30 day rehab whether they were good or not um so, you know, we went through this phase of a lot of lies. Now, we, let's bring us up to today. And we have a show like Mom, which is on CBS, which is like absolute horseshit. I mean, wonderful actresses, uh, you know, good writing. Um, but the truth about what AA is is not in that show. And unless they're finally going to get there, you know, I stopped watching it because I couldn't. It was like when they dealt with the woman, who, like they threw in like a moderation like there was a woman who was going to moderate. Um, oh my God, I love her. She's the woman who was in the movie recently about the uh, three black women um, who were, uh, you know, worked on worked in NASA. What is her name? I'm forgetting her name. But she uh, was in that episode, and she was just so lovely. But they like dropped her like a hot rocket when um, you know she said, "No, I'm able to drink." And I do think that the writers in Hollywood um, are reading the blogs, not just mine, not just leaving AA or Stop 13. I think they were reading Orange Papers until it like got, you know, kind of 
it was hacked, and I really don't know. I don't know what happened with that altogether. But I do know it, it, it is expensive to have your own server and to keep it protected from hackers. So, you know, anyway, there that one went. And so we had now we have like, I don't know, it seems like every show or everything that's made, they like drop the bomb and, you know, that's where people go. And, and then it just became like, I don't know, it seemed like you could, people who once they saw the movie, the movie came out originally in the spring of 2015. I came back from Cannes. It got into the documentary corner there. And I came back and people were like calling me up and saying, I never noticed like how many times like A is mentioned. In fact, I was like, you know, it just, you think you're going to get away from it. And then, you know, I was watching the Nick and uh, I was like, oh, look, this is finally a show. It's, you know, it takes place in 1903. A didn't exist. And obviously he had a drug problem. Like the lead character has uh, an addiction to um, cocaine, which is used for all kinds of pain. You know, it's very good. It's used for that. And it's before the Harry Anslinger crazy nut creates the war on drugs in um, right after we end prohibition. And he becomes the first drug czar in America. And his mother was a heroin addict. Great book to read is Chasing the Scream by Johan Hari, H-A-R-I. Fantastic read about what, uh, how it began. But I mean, I'm watching this show, and then he comes. The lead character comes in, and um, fabulous, fabulous actor. And he comes in and goes, you know, um, it's an addiction. It's a, it's a disease. It's a disease. And I was like, oh my god! Like, did they really think that you know it was a disease? Uh, you know, back then, or is that, you know, this is a 2014 um, TV um, show that aired on, um, was it on Cinemax? I think it was on Cinemax. And, uh, oh, my God, it was just fantastic. Clive Owen was lead, and Andre Holland, and, you know, just really great writing, unbelievably beautiful uh, set design, incredible acting. Um, Eve... Houston, amazing, played Lucy. She played the uh um she played the nurse, you know, that finally gets involved with Clive Owen. But uh, you know, it I really thought I would escape it and then that's when, you know, he, he comes in and he's obviously addicted and he goes away to this rehab back then and what they were treating them or what they were treating them with back then was heroin. And so it's really kind of funny um, how times change and how things change. And what will it be? Sometimes I wish I can go back in time and just be in when life wasn't, especially America, the culture and everything wasn't so infested with Alcoholics Anonymous and its memes, you know, its language, its ideology, uh, you know, ugh. It's just really, mm, it's really, really weird. I really wish we could go back, but um, we can't. We can't. So how can we change? How can we get the truth out? Um, let me just type something up here. I'm going to type this up here. Okay, let's put this on social media. There we go. Um yeah, anyway, so um, what are some of the lies? Well, the lies 
are out there, one of the biggest ones is that it is a disease of the brain. If it were a disease of the brain, right, then why would you be going to religious self-help groups run by strangers and lay people that were reading and studying a book from the 1930s if it were a real brain disease? So we have a system in America that is so screwed up. So the woman... Nora, Nora Valco, I think is yes, that's her name. Nora Valco, yeah, we. This is she's part of the. Uh, this really, really is upsetting. She is the director. I think she's still the director. Looks like she's my age. She's a year older than me. She is the director of the National Institute on Drug Abuse. So it's like. What is this about? Like, why are you calling it a disease if you are, you know, everybody is like, it's all about um, Nora Here's the thing that says, Nora on addiction, a disease of free will. What what are you, like, into Hitler? I I don't know. I don't, I don't really get this. This is really, she's talking at the head of the American Psychiatric Association. Yeah, they should show my movie to them. Yeah, pretty weird. Um, You know, they should be studying the use of pot and medicinal marijuana. Um, Yeah, maybe I'll... Let me see. I'm just looking quickly over this to see if it... I don't know when this this took place, but I'll, I'll come back to it. I'll save it. The National Institute of drug abuse, the NIH, the National Institute of Health, is the director, is a is run by a woman who thinks it's a brain disease. There's nothing, there's no, there's not a disease of free will. What the fuck is that? Like, what the fuck does that mean? It does, it's shit. It's like fake news, you know? I mean, it's like people made this shit up. You know, they may find, you know, whether it's the chicken or the egg, that people who become really addicted could have a genetic propensity. But even then, you have to, you know, you have to water the plant, man. You know, you could have a gene, like I say all the time, to become... Well, well, one thing, you know, if you have a gene that you're going to have green eyes, you have green eyes. That's it. You know, you have a gene to have brown hair. Well, you have brown hair unless you want to go get color it. And then for that matter, with the eyes, you can go get, you know, uh, with, what are they called, those things, you, you know. <laughs> My brain is not working today. I'm like, I'm not fasting, but I'm eating super healthy. I don't even think I had a cup of coffee today. I'm drinking green tea. Green tea. <laughs> so um, the thing is, is that these people are in a place of power, and they are controlling how people, you know, what people think and what people see. And if we have movie after movie that just shows this. Now, i got to tell you, one TV show, which is Law & Order SVU, has had three episodes that are critical of Alcoholics Anonymous. So, it, and and they really, really try, but they, and they did one recently, we were dealing with um, rapists, 
and they didn't call it Rapist Anonymous, but we know that's what they were, who they were, and they were meeting in this little meeting, and it was a really powerful episode. Uh, the Criminal Minds did one, actually called the 13th Step, and it was really good, really, really good, except the young guy explains what a 13th step is, and he's got it completely wrong. He says it's well when two people meet and the you know and they're in recovery and they're um, you know and they and they hook up and no no it's when an older member preys on newer vulnerable member, not like that you're, if you're two people who are both like you know getting sober and you're both like 30 days or 90 days or you have both of a year, it's not 13 stepping. You're two people who meet each other finding it attractive. That's it, and you hook up. You know it's not. It's not predatory. Um, let's see. So, you know, guys, I, I I think that media. I made a movie. Hi, Kevin. I see you're out there listening. Um, we have about 20 minutes left. Uh, if anybody wants to call in, I wasn't going to take callers, but 818-475-9211 is the number. 818-475-9211. I think I'm going to put this on the... Uh, 818-475-9211 um, is the call-in number. Um, and I also am going to kind of reach out to people who are fighting for any kind of injustice. So if that's you and you have a nonprofit and you're fighting for, like um, my lawyer friend in Europe is fighting for <coughs> dogs. Oh, my dog here is here in with the room here with me, um, and I think he just heard somebody come home. But um, you know, if uh, you, you have a, a, an idea or you yourself would like to be on the show, please contact me. You can do it through Facebook um, there or at um, makeaasafer at gmail dot com, and we can talk. I'm going to have Virginia Lewis on um, possibly next week. We've been trying for weeks, but she has been fighting for changing the amount of time, the limit, statute of limitations when children have been sexually abused. So Virginia Lewis is um, an amazing woman who was in um, in D.C. fighting, and um, there was a, a gentleman who was, he is an assemblyman or a senator, and he spoke out about what happened to him as a child uh, by a priest. And so um, he testified, as well as she did, for this new bill. And we hope that it passed. I think that she's in Oklahoma, so we'll see what's going to happen. Um, I think that the tide has turned. Um, at the time when I began making the movie, I called every news media organization, and nobody returned my calls. I did speak to, I mean, I think I called Gloria Allred early on in the uh, making of the movie, and they were just clearly saying, you know, we need women who are raped, we need them to come forward, you can't be the spokesperson, you know, that kind of thing. Bloosh, what are you growling? What are you growling at? <laughs> My dog is like sitting here growling at the door. Um, uh, and, you know, Gabrielle Glaser got us on Katie Couric, and I don't know if you can find that anywhere. I only have like little clips out there myself. Maybe Gabrielle has more. But I know that uh, what I'm saying is that the tide has turned, and that when I started, there were not there were some yeah there were some articles, 
and then all the YouTube videos were all like anonymous. It was like great videos by um, Mike Blaine Denial. That, that was the guy who was the early anti-air. Of course, you have Ken Reggie, um and Rachel Farnsway who wrote books. But get a book published by Simon & Schuster. People listen. Like people turn their head. And when you get published by the New York Times, the Washington Post, or Daily Beast, or The Atlantic, or the interviews that um, uh, Lance Doty's and Gabrielle Glaser got, then, you know, people, they start to be able to quote someone who has really dug and dug and dug. CBS, 48 Hours, amazing, amazing producers and exec producers that, you know, had to go and vet. And, you know, I brought one of them, uh, one of the um, producers that was out here a lot when they were investigating the Carla Brada murder trial, and that was filmed. And they followed that, that, you know, we went to meetings and she saw how people treat people and how big, and when we went to the Pacific Regional AA services, some, what was it, not the process, it was, yeah, maybe it was, I'm getting confused. There was a big thing down in... Uh, we went to San Diego, northern San Diego County, and she was like, and as well as my uh, assistant Val was like, this is like really organized, like this is huge, this is not small, like a small little meeting. And I think that if the truth comes out, and then you, but we need media, you need lawsuits for people, and people need to uh, have money to go to therapy if they can't afford it for all the stuff that they have been through. And... um you know, it is a really, it's a big job. And I think somebody like Lisa Bloom is going to be really important in being the next, you know, Bill Cosby, Bill O'Reilly to get the truth out. And it would help if there were some famous stars that would speak out and say, I don't like it. And then we have Billy Joel spoke out. He was interviewed in the New York Times, I think, a couple of times and talked about how he is not, doesn't like it, went to rehab and just sticks to wine now, doesn't drink the hard stuff, which makes sense for some people, I think, for sure. And, um, you know, I think uh, that it, 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 there was a time where it felt like, oh, yeah, the, what's it called? The Penn and Teller guys, right? They did uh was called Bullshit, and um, they did a whole episode on AA. And uh, we all went pretty crazy when we saw that and were laughing and everything. That's still on YouTube, I'm sure. But that truth comes out. And I think, you know, The Simpsons um, has made fun of it. I think that um, what those guys, um, South Park guys, have made fun of it. But the next stage is to be that somebody says, a character, cartoon character, somebody says, I'm not going there. I'm going to go to a smart recovery meeting or I'm going to do harm reduction and I'm seeing a therapist. I'm not going to those fucking stupid meetings. And then you're going to see a change when people just kind of shrug it off as nothing, that it's unimportant, that it's not very successful, and that why would you need to go to a support group for the rest of your life? I mean, even cancer patients who, and I didn't go to a support group. Like the last thing I wanted to do when I had breast cancer was to go sit in another meeting which to me was going to remind me um, of Alcoholics Anonymous. And so I didn't go. And um, I didn't need a support group to go get you know, good treatment and to have surgery. And I have a family. And maybe if people have nobody, that makes sense. If you have cancer, you know, 
and you need that kind of support or if you have to go through chemo and stuff. But that isn't treatment. That isn't treatment. And I think it's really, uh, I was looking at some of the things that were on the calendar. Um, I was recently over in that area again, and I looked at, I had to get another screening for something, and I was like, what does this have to do with breast cancer? You know, uh, I think um, it's kind of, anyway, enough, enough, right? You know, it's it's out there. The truth is out there. I think that if you're on, uh, if you have a blog, if you are on Twitter and Facebook, Take those stories, the one that have the ones that have been highly vetted. Go to Gabrielle Glaser's website. Click on the links for the Daily Beast story. Um, you know, and share them. Share them on your pages. And you know, uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's important to retell them and repost them because there's new people leaving like all the time. So there's somebody who recently just, you know, found the group, but, you know, or my blog, and she has been gone for years, but, you know, never had anyone to talk to about it, never had anyone to um, discuss the things that we were thinking and feeling. And I actually know a lot of couples who have left, and they have each other. And I think, or if you're in head of, even a family member or maybe like another a person that you were close friends with left you have that person to to talk to whether or not you for a lot of people who were abstinent for decades you know 20 years or 35 years the chances of that person having a problem are like to me so slim that it's kind of like benign like but there's people who are afraid to have anything, well, okay, fine. If people don't want to drink, I, you know, maybe it's a better idea that you don't drink, you know. But I don't think that um, it, what I see is that people get to decide what they want to do when they leave. And I have a, I have a group um, called Deprogramming from AA or any 12-step group. It's a closed group on Facebook, so you have to ask if you can join, and I do a little vetting, not much. And then, you know, there is uh, Rachel Bernstein, and her name is um, spelled B-E-R-S-B-E-R-N-S-T-E-I-N. And she is located in the Valley, I think in Sherman Oaks, and she is a deprogramming expert. She's a therapist. She's a lovely, lovely woman. I've gone to her group. Uh, there's a lot of Scientologists in that group and a couple of other people. And um, my husband and I went there. I think we went there once or twice. I can't remember. But um, very helpful to hear the similarities and uh, with other people, and they, they were really shocked that we were from AA. They were like, hey, AA, a cult. And I was like, yeah, AA is a cult. And um, it's a quasi-cult, I guess. I don't know what makes it a hardcore cult would be that the leader still exists. Well, if that's true, then the Pacific group is definitely a cult because Clancy is still there, and he's a leader, and he's idolized. You know, um, so... Uh, I'm looking forward to having some different conversations that will not just be about AA or about addiction or about alcohol abuse and the so other solutions that exist today like naltrexone. So if you don't know that and you're listening, um, I would suggest you watch uh, Claudia Christian's movie One Little Pill and you can learn a lot about naltrexone. It's an opiate inhibitor. You take it one hour before you drink, and there's doctors who prescribe it differently, but that's the way, like, if you want to really 
try to moderate and not go to rehab that you know I would ask your doctor and find seek out a non twelve step therapist and on that note, there are two uh big centers in New York. One is the Center for Motivation and Change. And then you have Andrew Tatarski, and I'm going to, there he is. Um, So Jeff Foote has a place in New York, and um, Andrew Tatarski's place, he's all about harm reduction, is called the Center for Optimal Living, Harm Reduction Psychotherapy, and he's got 30 years of experience um, working with people in substance use problems. And then Jeff Foote is the Center for Motivation and Change. And then if you're somebody who uh, is a family member, the uh, Center for Motivation and Change has craft videos. And craft is also in connection with Smart Recovery, which is also free support groups if you don't know about it. They're, they are growing. They're, they're growing a lot. And uh, that is for friends and family, right? Friends and family who... Uh, would like a different approach than Al-Anon. So it's more about you learn how to do positive reinforcement. And as I began to study craft, I began to see how Al-Anon and how our culture, um, and most of us, me included, that if somebody does have a problem with alcohol, um, per se, or drugs, that how when they go to AA, how they get sucked up because even when that person doesn't drink or isn't using drugs the next day or the day after, the family is still mad at them. They're just there's no winning in the setup of Al Anon and AA. You've got to do it their way or the highway. It's a hundred percent or you you know, you're not doing it, or you failed if you have a drink or a few drinks after sixty days, which is not the truth. That's that whole abstinence, it's that whole prohibitionistic thinking of all or nothing, black and white, which we see a lot in our political leaders right now. And these are people who don't drink. I mean, Donald Trump doesn't drink from, you know, my research. But Mike Pence doesn't drink either. I mean, I, I, I mean, I've known a lot of Catholics, and except for the ones that go to AA, they all drink. And so I don't know what that's about either. You know, these guys steppers, like from the old days, and then now they just don't talk about it. I mean, you have Joe Biden. Like, what, what's going on in the White House? It was really nice to have uh, Obama, who drank a beer. It was like more normal than these other people. Pretty strange. You know, it's exhausting. It's exhausting to think that this thing is this big, and you know, can you ever, can you make it topple? Can you make it small sized where it belongs to be either gone or small sized? It needs to be really tiny again. It needs to get the hell out of the board of nursing and the um, and if a doctor gets into you know has issues or pilots or really anybody. If you drive for Coca Cola, are you forced to go to a rehab and you have to you know be abstinent or you can't drive? I mean, I, I don't know about that. I know what goes on with all the other professionals and a lot, a lot of lawyers when they get into trouble they just play the game because they want to go back to lawyering. But um, I think. Uh, you know, that the word is out. Somebody can go to Google and they can say, is AA dangerous? Is AA a cult? Alternatives to Alcoholics Anonymous. And yes, they are. There's smart recovery. There's moderation management. There's harms, hams, harm reduction. There's women for sobriety. There's SOS, secular organizations for sobriety. And there's life ring. Uh, then there's just going to see a 12, non-12-step 
therapist and or take medication. Some people are dealing with mental health issues and they really need to take some medication. They find when they do that, I've heard many people tell me these stories, that when they leave AA, um, I know one couple that the husbands finally got on some kind of medication. They didn't choose to drink or they drank once in a while. And then the, the wives drank like, you know, normal, like on the weekends, you know, two or three drinks or something like this. So I think I've said enough for today. I've talked about the lies and the truths being perpetuated by TV and film and media in Alcoholics Anonymous. I highly suggest that you read Gabrielle Glaser's book, Her Best Kip Secret, Why Women Drink and How They Can Regain Control. Read her pieces, ProPublica, The Atlantic, and The Daily Beast, and The Reader's Digest, Lance Doty's The Sober Truth, and the other, um, I think it's three other wonderful books that he has. And uh, share everywhere all of this stuff. Just share it and tell people and force people to you know, realize that it's AA is not the only way. It is not the only house on the block. It is a very dangerous house on the block. And that I'll finish this up with that courts are ordering violent and sex offenders to Alcoholics Anonymous. And these men have murdered more than Carla Brada. And the rapes and the sexual harassment in AA is systemic and huge. And I'm actually glad that the AA in Southern California acted the way they did. I mean, my home group acted, you know, the pe- women were great. But beyond that, there, I mean, there were some people in the community that were fantastic. But as far as the West Side District and Area 5, they were like jerks. And um, the decent people were like watching these other people going, why wouldn't you want to talk about this? Why wouldn't you want to make things safer? And I'm glad they didn't so that it made me see AA for what it is and that's why I could leave and be free not spend another day or a minute in it and be really free, um, which I am. And, uh, you know, I'm lucky to have Kevin and um, my sons and people that I can, you know, really talk about this with and experience what it's like to be a part of the real world. And the real world is not Alcoholics Anonymous. The real world is not sitting around and all you can talk about is your steps or that you're sober or you have 30 years or, you know, well, you know how we are. And I'm like, you know, even that really annoyed me like years ago, how we are. What does that mean? You know, like we were, that whole thing of like you're different. We, well, that's very cult-like. That happens in religious cults that people think they're better than or they're more spiritual or we understand. No, one under, no that's not true. That's absolutely not true. And even if, anyway, who cares? So I want to thank you all for listening and um, joining me uh, in the late afternoon that I came flying in and running in here and did this show. Um, it's quite a miracle driving around Los Angeles that I got through the traffic to get back home to do the show today. Did not think that I was going to make it in time. But please listen in. I'm going to have some new and different people coming up in the next few weeks. And that if uh, anybody has any ideas, you can contact me again at makeaasafer at gmail.com. And uh, I will see you all next week. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll talk again. Good night, everybody.